Jesus. So after the beginning of the night, and the service of the law, I'm sure that it's a great privilege for us to be singing together in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I'm happy for this, and I know what you are too. And now, tomorrow morning, it gives great pleasure to visit the the Spencerville Baptist Church in the morning uh, to have services with our good brother, uh, Dr. Lee Vale, who is the pastor of the First Baptist Church at Spencerville, Ohio. And tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, I'm to have his uh, service in the main auditorium, I suppose, tomorrow morning, preaching service. And uh, then tomorrow afternoon at 2.30, another preaching service in the church here. I got a message for the church tomorrow afternoon, the Lord willing. And then tomorrow night is the closing night of the, this campaign, a healing service, or prayer for the sick, I mean to say, tomorrow night. And we're expecting now great things. And through the week, we have been having the services by the preaching of the Word and the uh, anointing of the Holy Spirit in discerning or as the prophetic gift of the Lord Jesus and having the privilege of seeing him return to us and do the very same things that he did when he was here on earth. And I'm sure that thrills our hearts to see him to do this. And usually in uh, the meetings we have what we try to call an emergency room. But not having that this time, last evening we decided, if the Lord was willing, that tonight we would have what is called the emergency line. And that would be usually when the only discerning there it's slow and vision would happen in the building, all over the building, and how the Lord does just as he did before his crucifixion as a proof, infallible proof, of his resurrection. He is not dead, but he's alive forevermore. And it gives us such great consolation to know that he who we love, that he will honor us by being present with us and showing himself alive after 2,000 years. So he is the immortal God, the infant, infallible, omnipotent God. And now, tonight, we are going to try something new, as seemingly the, uh, and I say it with respect, with love, the American people doesn't seem to be able to grasp it like overseas. The same thing that happened in here happened one time in South Africa, and 30,000 raw heathens came to Christ at one time. Think of it. And just stopped on the third person and offered a prayer for in the massive congregation, 
and estimated 25,000 got healed at one time. Think of it. Seven van loads of crutches and wheelchairs and was taken from the ground and taken away with an army like marching behind his thing and only believed in Africa. India was yet farther more than that. But here it seems to be the American people are taught so many different ways, it's hard for them to grasp it somehow. Lovely, but hard to grasp it just to reach out by faith. It seems, and that makes a good target for fantastic. See, for some human element. We want to keep the human part away from us. It's God. Not whether man touches, it's God touching. It's, it's a finished work. It's something that Christ has already done for you. And it's your personal property, every believer. And it's to look and live. The brass serpent could pray for no one, neither could it touch anyone. But they looked and lived. And it was a type of Christ. And if the type could do what it did, what would the antitype do when it comes? By looking and living. Now, I wish to speak to you just on a little gospel message. And then we're going to bring the people, the Lord willing. My son said he gave out a group of prayer cards on the emergencies, the kind that cannot wait for tomorrow night's climax service, as we're trusting God to have. And we're going to bring those people up, and I'm going to try to pray for them without looking into the vision for them just so I can get them to pass through and be prayed for because they are emergencies and we couldn't get to too many that we just couldn't do it. Now, I wish to read just a portion of the scripture and before we do it, let us talk to the author just a moment as we bow our heads. Our kind Heavenly Father, it is with the very adorations of our hearts that we express our gratitude towards Thee, the living God, forever being so mindful to send to us Thy beloved Son as a Redeemer to redeem we unworthy creatures of the earth back to fellowship with Thee. And as our minds tonight search back down to the quarters of generations back into the early times, what a beautiful fellowship it must have been when God called his children in the cool of the evening and communed with them. Then kissing them as it was on their cheeks and laying them down to sleep for a night's rest. And the wild beast of the field he bedded down without any disturbance, any harm. No harm was there, no death, no sickness and no trouble. And to awake on a new day, to walk in the presence of the Creator without fear, without sickness. Oh God, our Spirit 
grown for that time again, for that's what we were made for. And we pray tonight, Heavenly Father, if death is shadowing any person near tonight that would not be prepared to enter back to this great blessing that was prepared for us before the foundation of the world, may this be the evening when they will make that one final eternal decision, saying to thee, Yes, my Lord, I will now believe on thee and take thee as my Savior. And may then you fill them with the Holy Spirit, baptizing them into thy beloved body of saints, and positionally place them that they may be workers in this great work of yours on the earth. Be merciful and heal the sick and afflicted, for in this thou hast atoned for at Calvary. And we feel that it is our personal property that thou hast given this blessing of redemption to every one that's been redeemed. And we feel we have a right to come to the living God and ask him these blessings, for he so graciously bid us to do it, saying, Ask the Father anything in my name, I'll do it. And now, Father, may the Holy Spirit take the Word, open the book, and loose the power of the Spirit in the Word, and may it find its resting place in each heart. For we ask it in the name of thy beloved child, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Tonight, I have chosen just for a short time because there's quite a few that must be prayed for tonight. And I want all of you tonight to pray with me in the prayer line. But let's not think of the prayer line just at this time, but let's put our thoughts on something greater than the prayer line. Let's put our thoughts on the Lord Jesus and his return and his love for us. I'm going to read a familiar old text to you all, which is very familiar, and perhaps your pastors and so forth has read it many times. Perhaps one of the smallest children here could quote it. It's the golden text of the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. As I was sitting in my room oh, just a while ago, after having this time of fellowship with my good friend, Pastor Jose, from Chicago, I was thinking, God, what shall I say tonight to the purchase of your blood? For coming before audiences, whether they are small or great, that does not matter. Last evening we uh, were speaking on that, how God meets with large numbers or small numbers. 
just wherever hearts are giving him welcome. And realizing that you have come tonight to express your faith and to open your heart to hear God's word. You to I've many times wondered how it would feel to me if I should have the privilege of holding in my hand in a charger or a glass two drops of the literal blood of Jesus. What would I do with two drops of the literal blood of Christ? Oh, I believe I would take it to my heart and I would hold it and I would weep. But you know, in the eyes of him who shed his blood freely, I have a greater than that before me tonight. For I have been given the privilege to speak to the purchase of his blood. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but would have everlasting life. So that little piece of scripture, just a teeny little one-inch square, on a, just a piece of paper, yet if the right attitude is taken to that scripture, it might change the, it would change the eternal destination of this world. It isn't the size, it's the quality. Some time ago I was reading where a little boy was up in an old attic, and in the attic he ran across a postage stamp of less than one inch square, and he taken it to a stamp collector, and this stamp collector gave him one dollar for it. Later it was sold for one hundred dollars, and it's gone from collector to collector. And I understand that now that same postage stamp is worth almost a quarter of a million dollars. Just one little piece of paper. But that isn't, the paper isn't what makes it so valuable. It's what's on the paper makes it valuable. And that's the way it is with John 3.16. It isn't how much picture is written, it's what it holds. It holds a message to the world that God so loved. And now I would take for a subject, if it should be called that, for the next few moments, when divine love is projected, sovereign 
grace takes its place. And when God so loved the world, God's divine love to Adam's race, when he so loved it, Christ stepped out and sovereign grace took its place. God's love was met by sovereign grace. God gave his only begotten Son. You see it? Now, I used to think that God was angry with me, but Christ loved me. But come to find out that Christ is the very heart of God. And in this beautiful type of the coming out of the children of Israel, how that Christ in type was the smitten rock. And the only way that those people, after searching everywhere for water, they were perishing. And Moses, God's servant, took the judgment rod, which it was a judgment stick. It had brought judgment upon the unbelievers of Egypt, flies, gnats, all kinds of diseases, afflictions. God's judgment stick that was waved in the hand of his servant smoked the rock, and rock gave forth its water. And a perishing people was saved. What a beautiful type of John 3.16. God loved the world that he, the smiting of the just judgments that belong to us, they were all smitten on to Christ, and out of him came forth rivers of living water speaking of the Spirit that a perishing people might live. The waters of life coming from him, a smitten sacrifice, an accepted one. And no matter how little, I love God for that. Some people say, well, it won't make much difference whether I receive it or not. It does. Well, I'm just a little housewife. I am just a little colored lady that lives back in the alley. It no matter who you are, that whosoever will, let him come. No matter how little, like the text, no matter how small it is. I've often wondered, as I go into the woods in the springtime, after the cold, blustrous winter, and I notice little teeny flowers, no larger than a half an inch, and I have to get down sometimes to see them. How insignificant it is to the great Stately oak that's standing by. But God is so mindful that he sees that this teeny little flower 
is taken care of through the winter, that it can raise again and spread forth its beauty. And in there is sometimes blue and red colors. God knows them, everyone. God is concerned about us all. A little girl taught us a lesson some time ago when the famous King George, who I had the privilege of praying for, when the Lord healed him of multiple sclerosis. And he was visiting a Canadian city, and all the schools turned out, and they'd taken the Canadian flag and went to the street corner. And when the king passed by, I shall never forget the expression on my manager's face. Mr. Ern Baxter, a Canadian. And when the king passed by, suffering at the time with stomach trouble and multiple sclerosis, and he stood up or sat up by the side of his beautiful queen in a blue garment. And I've seen this 240-pound man that when the carriage turned the corner, the man threw his hands to his face and wept. And he said, Hey, the king is passing by. Then I told what will it be someday. When the king of kings passes by, There was a little girl who was found after the streets was cleared. She was standing over by the side of a telegraph pole with her little hands up against the pole, weeping, sobbing her little heart out. And the teacher trying to find the child, she had her little Canadian flag across her shoulder and was weeping. And the lady said to the teacher, Dear, why do you weep? Did you not wave your flag to the king to show that you were a patriotic? She said, yes, teacher, I waved my flag. She said, then did you not see the king? She said, no, teacher, it wasn't that I did not see the king. I saw the king. She said, then why are you weeping? She said, the king did not see me. Oh, how different it is with the king of kings. You cannot be too little. He sees every move you make. He knows all that's in you. He, not even the sparrow, could fall to the street without him knowing it. Not a little flower could come up, a little crocus, unless he knows about it. So how much more are you than the flower? And if you're laying here sick or afflicted, do you not know that the king of kings? is watching you. 
Do you not know that he's interested in your healing and in your welfare? You may be ever so sinful, but did you know he's interested in you becoming his subject? You say, but I'm just an insignificant person. But you're not in the sight of God. God wants you. He loves you. And God so loved you that when his love was projected, sovereign grace taken its place and sent a Savior to redeem you back to himself. And in this Savior, he was wounded for our transgressions because God loves you. And God saw the afflictions of his people, and with his stripes you were healed. God's grace making a way for his love required. And when his love projected his feeling, Christ stepped out to take his place. It requires something to take the place. His love alone went for you, and grace provided a sacrifice for you. Now you're only to ask to believe it. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, trusting that you kept the vision. Love is one of the greatest instruments that there is in God's great economy. God is love. The Bible said that he is love. And when you become one of his children, you become a part of that love. You are a part of God's economy. You become a subject of his domain. And when you do that, you become a son and daughter of God. And he said he would give you everlasting life. Now, if I'm not mistaught, and if I understand correctly, I have no education, just my grammar school, but I am taught by scholars who should know that the word used giving everlasting life in the Greek is called zoe which means the life of God, then God's love projected to you brings you and makes you a part of Him. In the new birth, then you become a child which is born out or come from, and that puts you in relationship with God, so much that you're now sons and daughters. And God the Creator, who created all things by His power, through His spoken word, 
and everything that is, is the Word of God made manifest. The entire world was made, and how we do error when we try to ignore God's Word or try to limit God's power by our own imagination. For the very earth that you're setting over tonight is only the Word of God made manifest. God made the world by His spoken Word. Oh, my! The dirt, all the minerals of gold, all the waters and everything that there is, is only God's spoken word. If not, where did he get it? Where did it come from? God said, let there be, and it was. Then what faith should we have in him? and in his word. Then, when you become a son or a daughter of God, your disposition changes. Your attitude changes. Your, all, your look towards life and towards others changes. It doesn't mean that you just have joined church. It means that you have been regenerated. You have become a new creation in Christ Jesus. That you have, the old things have passed away, and God has spoken to you, and you have become a new creature. I want this to go way down even into church members. Then, as you would love to be in the presence of Christ, and you become a part of Christ, then people love to become in your presence, because you become a part of God, son and daughter of God. Did you ever see people that you just love to be in their presence? There's just something about them that just radiates that you just love to talk to them. And other people who are nice people, yet we don't say this unkindly, but you just can't hardly stay around them. It is because of the atmosphere that you create. For you as a son of God are a minister creator. Because you are a part of God. And that's the reason you can believe the Bible for anything it says. For the Word is God's Word. You being a part of God will agree with the Word. And do you understand? That's the reason that people say this is not inspired and that is not inspired and this is for another day. It's because that they have never become in contact, oh, no matter how many degrees they can show, 
that has nothing to do with it. But they have never become in contact with God to be born again. Oh, they may have jumped and they may have did this, they may be a PhD, they may have spoken tongues, they may have danced in the Spirit. But Jesus said, by their fruit you shall know them. For where the Spirit of God is, there's love, there's understanding, there's something that you like to be around. And oh, what a pity! In this hour that we live, that the church of the living God hasn't met this yet. For if God dwelt richly in our hearts, denominational barriers would never separate us. Color lines or nothing else would ever separate us, for there is nothing present, nothing future. No matter whether it's starvation or what it is can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ All one great ransom church of God, standing together with one front, letting God's word be the blueprint or the map that we're traveling toward glory with. You are Gentile, bond or free, Catholic or Protestant, should stand together in one great big army because of our relationship. And if we are God's children, then we are brothers, not as sonships of God by everyone, but by regeneration we are sons of God. We are Adam's sons by nature. God's sons by birth. It works. Very much so. And I have noticed in my lifetime, as I'm getting to be an old man, watching how that that works. I'm telling you from an experience, and it's just a Exactly with the Word of God. At our own home, and try this at your home. If there ever was a home that is confused and torn up, much is ours. People from everywhere, all over the world, coming all the time, in and out, day and night, all hours. And I have noticed here some time ago. My lovely little wife, of 37 years old and completely gray, she stood between me and the public. If there's any praises to be given to the Branham family, give it to her. The telephone run you wild day and night. And I, the house had been full all day. And I went out and my little children. Little Sarah and Rebecca were fighting over some play blocks. Little Joseph, the baby, sitting in the floor, screaming to the top of his voice. Wife in the kitchen with her face buried into her hands, weeping. When I finally got the house empty, some in this room, some in that room, some in the basement, and I walked in. 
Father, oh, what a confusion. She put her arms around me. She said, Billy, I'm going crazy. She said, I haven't been able to get the children any dinner. Sometimes raging maniacs, playing at liberty of pushes, sometimes fanatics, running back and forth through the house, saying, the Lord said this, the Lord said, if I ain't your manager, the Lord said this. Now, the Lord wouldn't talk to me about that if he had something to say. But you can't help it. It's just in the human line. And she said, the children haven't had anything to eat. And I don't know what to do. Well, I thought, now there's just one thing to do. Now, I'm tired, but I'm going to do this. Now, Heavenly Father, in my heart, you help me to be what you would have me to be on this scene. And I thought, now, if I can just get her quiet. So I said, sweetheart, would you rush out with me for dinner? Oh, I'd have to clean up the children and this and that. And you could hardly hear yourself think little Jones is just a beat in the floor as hard as you could. So I slipped over and got an apron and put it around me. And I began to help her. And I said, honey, you know what? I saw the prettiest dress the other day. I just so wanted to get it for you, and it was in a certain city just here close, and we'll go get it. And all the time in my heart, praying, Heavenly Father, quieten this dear little woman. And I put my hand on her, not knowing, her not knowing what I was doing. I say, yes, honey. Oh, it was beautiful. Oh, Lord, quieten this little woman. And just kept on, you know, her not knowing. What was I doing? was projecting, creating a different atmosphere. Walk in the love of God. Have fellowship. And in a few moments, she got quiet. And then when she got quiet, Sarah and Becky divided up the play block. Joseph got him something to play with, and it was peace in the home. What was it? Projecting love. They were mine, my children, my wife, and I was God. And then God giving His Spirit. And through that Spirit, with love to my family, sovereign grace come in and quieten the family. It'll do it. I know it will. Here some time ago I was interested in a great thing was Mr. Kraut of the Full Gospel Christian Businessman, many of you know him. A very good friend to our most honored and beloved brother, Oral Roberts. And so when Mr. Kraut was such a good friend to Oral Roberts. Oh, he said, if anything get wrong with me, I'm a friend to Oral Roberts. So, finally, one day, Mr. Krause develops a kidney trouble. So he goes down to eat dinner with Brother Roberts. 
And Brother Robert said, Oh, Brother Krauss, that's just an iron thing to God. Ladies' hands up as Brother Oral with that real excuse expression, but bulldog face. Throwed his hand over on him and said, I rebuke it. Said, Brother Krauss, don't worry, you're going to get all right. And Brother Krauss said, I really felt better. But after a few days, they come back again. Said, I went down to Brother Roberts again and said, the same thing taking place. Said, then I thought that I know William Branham, so I would go over to him and said, he saw vision, so I would stand before William Branham, he's a good friend of mine, and then William Branham will be able to help me. So he called around and found out that I was in Shreveport, Louisiana. Mr. Krause and his wife flew down to Freeport, and they come into the meeting, and he said, Brother Benham, I've just got a little time. Let us go to a side, and I would like to see what the Lord would tell me. I said, All right, Brother Krause, let us go aside. I stood there for 45 minutes, and the Lord said nothing. I said, I'll pray, Brother Brown. He said, if the Lord shows you anything, call me up. I prayed for him. He said, you know, I feel better. I believe the Lord just healed me without showing me any trouble. I said, well, we are thankful to God. So on that night, being a dear friend to Brother Brown, I prayed for him, continually prayed. And about a few weeks, he come back again. He said, let us stand before the Lord and see what he'll tell me. I'm in a serious condition. I stood for another hour or more, and the Lord never said anything. So then away he went to the doctor. The doctor says, it's too much job for me. You better go to Mayo's. Up to Mayo's he went. Mayo's looked him over, and he said, sir. You've got one chance out of a thousand to live. That is immediate operation. Well, he said, I'll take it. And he went out and he said, I thought if I was that close to dying, I'd better check up with God. So he said, Lord, you know I love you. And I've tried with all my heart to support everything that's right. He is a wealthy man. And he said, he manufactures plows. You may know him from Kansas. And he said, I have tried to live right, and you know, Lord, I love you. Now, if you are ready for me to come home, I'm willing. I've lived a good many days, and I'm willing to come, but Lord, if you can use me, well, I am willing. He said, I have stood before your servant, Oral Roberts and Little William Branham, and it seems like that their prayers did not take effect to heal me, and said, maybe it's something that I have done, but Surely you would have revealed it when I stood there before the discernment. He said, but if it's my time to come, I'm ready to go, and I love you, so I'm going to the operating room, the only chance that I have. 
And the doctors checked him again and said, Mr. Krauss, are you sure that you want to take it? He said, I have prayed up, and I'm sure I want to take it. So in the operating room they went, and the last thing he said he remembered was saying, Lord, if thou art ready for me, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And they put him to sleep. And when he come to, the whole room begins to turn right. And he seen the doctor standing around. And they run to him. And they said, Mr. Krause, something has happened. We've never seen an operation so perfect. And we thought you were going to die. But all of a sudden, you are normal. What was it? When divine love has been projected, sovereign grace come in to take its place. It has to. It must do it. A few months ago, down in old Mexico, I was having a meeting. And one day, this I could not say is true. The only thing that I know is what I'm going to say. There had been a little baby that had been rejected by the doctor to die the day before. It was raining. They wasn't setting the seats like you. They were standing like sheep in a pasture against each other, coming at nine o'clock at morning to hear me preach at nine that night. Standing in the hot sun, crippled, afflicted. And as I walked in the night before, the Lord had did some great miracle and piled on the platform in that big arena was piles of old, dirty clothes piled that high for me to pray over. Old hats, shawls. My heart was burning. And it was raining outside. We were all outside in the open air. And then a little mother was screaming when I called for the prayer line. And Billy come to me and he said, Daddy, you're going to have to do something. Said a mother's baby died at 3 o'clock this afternoon. She's a little Catholic woman. And her baby is dead, and she's got it covered up. And said when Brother Espinosa gave out the prayer cards, she didn't get one. But there isn't enough ushers to hold the woman from the platform any longer. She's got that baby, and she's screaming to the top of her voice, Padra, Padra, which means father. And I looked down to the long streak of light, and that little woman frantically, a beautiful little lady with the tears streaming down her cheeks and a wad in her arms screaming to the top of her voice. And I said to Brother Moore, standing on the platform, one of the managers, I said, go down and pray for the baby and maybe that'll console her. 
in the little mother's love for that baby. And as I turn to, to the audience to minister again, I look, and over the audience I see the little Spanish baby setting up doing. Brother Moore was trying to quieten her, but that didn't satisfy her little heart. A mother's love was being projected to God. I said, just a moment, Brother Moore, and I went down, and the baby was wadded up in some blankets. I could not speak Spanish or either understand it. But I just laid my hands on the little blanket that was wet. Now they tell me the baby had been dead since three o'clock. I don't know. I couldn't say. The dead people that I have got wrote in my book is all authentic. That was risen, raised up by the Lord. The doctor would have to say so, or the undertaker. But laying hands on the baby, something let out a kick under that cover, and a scream you never heard in your life. What was it? Divine love had been projected to the heart of the God of love and sovereign grace that back the vision for the ease of the child. Certainly, I remember a little hour after that, quite an hour, on the platform came a poor old Mexican man. His feet was wrinkled, he was barefooted, the gray whiskers on his face, his hair gray, and he was blind. And as he comes to me, there's leading him along, and I looked and I thought, if my father would have lived, he'd have been about that age. And he was mumbling something, and when he got close to me, he took out a pair of, a set of these, a rosary beads. And some of them said, here, here in Brother Espinosa, he wanted to know where I was at, and here he was, feeling for my face. And I just stood still, and his old feeble shaking hands, and the great ditches in his cheeks, the tears were cutting away down his cheeks. And I thought that somebody's daddy. That some mother's child, and he started with his beads, and I said, that's not necessary then. And he began to weeping, and he found my face, and he patted me, and he started to kneel down. I stood him up again. I thought, look at there. You see, friends, if you don't enter into the fellowship, if something in you doesn't cry out for each other, if something doesn't project the love, you know, people are not so foolish as they understand whether you're putting on or not. They understand it. Wildlife understands it. So you... You have to enter into that fellowship. 
And as the old man stood there, I looked at him, and my heart began to beat heavy. And I thought, poor old man, nature has been so cruel to you. You probably never sat down to a good, decent meal all your life. You probably never had a suit of clothes on in your life. I set my foot up the side of him. I'm going to take my shoes off and put them on his old, dusty, wrinkled feet. But I seen they would not fit. With his shoulders much wider than mine, neither would my coat fit him. So I wept. I thought, oh, and after all this, then you're sitting in a world of darkness. You can't see where you're going. You never had a good suit. You probably never laid on a good bed. You never eat a good meal. And maybe never had a good pair of shoes in your life. And now you're in darkness. Oh, how cruel the devil can be. In that, it was projecting love to the old man. And as I put my arms around him and hugged him to my bosom, not waiting for any vision, just holding him to my bosom, I said, Oh, Father God, be merciful to this poor old man. Somebody's daddy. And I heard him scream, Glory, adios. And I jumped back from me. He rubbed his eyes. He fell on the floor. He kissed my hand. He was hollering, Glory, adios, which means glory to God. And across the platform he went, seeing as good as anybody in the audience. What was it? Divine love projected resulted in sovereign grace taking its place. Divine love can only go so far, but when it is held true to the end, sovereign grace takes its place and produces that which love cannot carry out. Oh, friends, that's what the church needs. It's not a new organization, not a bunch of fantastics, not an argument, not a debate. It needs a baptism of love, to love one another. It doesn't need new gifts. It needs love to operate the gift of God. That's what it needs. This may seem very strange, and if it does, well, we're going to meet again someday. Animal life knows love. I've watched it. 
being a hunter and an outdoorsman, I have watched how God provided. I've watched the fish with a hook in its mouth. Don't worry about that. The acid of its body will eat it up in a little bit. I've watched the dog swallow a bone. Don't worry about that. The acid in its body will take care of it. God has provided a way. Some time ago, in my home, I had a, I've got one of these here power mowers, and I was mowing the yard at the parsonage. And I'd make a couple of rounds, and somebody would come in. I'd sit back and change my clothes, and run in and play for the six, and then maybe get out more another round. Somebody else come, and you know the grass was going up in the front yard before I could get to the back again. It was so hard. So it comes that I was in the backyard on a hot August afternoon, and I had just went around, nobody to see me, and I pulled off my underneath shirt with just my bare skin from my waistline up. It was so hot, and the hot mowing machine, and I was a mowing along, singing. Oh, how I love Jesus, thinking about the goodness of the Creator above, and so packed away into the, the spirit of what I was thinking of, the law. And I forgot, down in the corner of the fence was a great big nest full of harness. And shoving my mold and singing with my eyes closed, praying, I ran right into the nest of those horns. And all of a sudden, without thinking, I was completely covered around with harness. And they can take your life. They're great big things. One of them can flatten you on the ground. Now, this may seem just a little fictitious to you, but did you ever know that truth is more stranger than fiction? But something happened. I wish it could stay that way. Have you ever read my book, At the Maniac, out there in Washington? Have you read that? That maniac run to the platform, 260-pound man or more, and said, I'll break every bone in your body. And police and ministers fled every way, and I was left on the platform with the maniac. Something happened. I weighed at the time 128 pounds. And the maniac stood like that, his teeth shut together, his eyes. He said, you snake in the grass, up here pretending to be a man of God. Said, I'll show how much man of God you are. I'll break every bone in your body. And he drew back his big fist, and he was well able physically to carry out his threat. Something happened. Instead of despising the man, 
I felt sorry for him. I thought, poor man, you wouldn't treat me that way. Why, you are a man just like I am. You wasn't made to act like that. You were made to love and to be a father of your children and, and to love them and to love all men. You were made to be a son of God. But the devil had took a hold of you. I felt sorry for the man. And he said, walked up to me close and went, spit in the face. I looked at him. Oh, I've had it happen with witch doctors and everything. Don't worry. God with you who can be against you. So I looked at the man, and I thought, poor man, I love you, my poor lost brother. Never said a word. And he walked up to me, and he raised his big fist back, and the crowd sitting breathless of 6,000 inside, and for near that many standing in the rain, he threw back his big fist. He had just struck a preacher. He was out of an insane institution. You might ask the police there. There was on the records today. And he hit a minister and broke his jaw and his collarbone, running there. And he runs to the platform and he said, This night I'm going to break every bone in your body. And I looked at him, not with hatred, but with love. And as he did and started towards me, Something inside of me said, but tonight you'll fall over my feet. Fall over your feet, he said. I'll show you, you snake in the grass, whose feet I'll fall over. And he ran to me and threw back his big fist to strike me. I said, Satan, come out of that man. And his eyes set. His head went back, and he fell and pinned my feet to the floor. The police had to roll him off. Oh, that's it. Love. When those harness had me covered, and I knew that I'd be stung to death in a few moments, instead of running or being afraid, there's only two elements that you can be controlled by. There is either faith or doubt. And that is doubt will accompany, or fear will accompany doubt. So if you're, Jesus said, fear not, don't be afraid. God keeps his word. No matter what condition you are tonight, God keeps his word. And closing now in a few moments. Listen close. What happened? I love those fellows. That seems strange. But I did. Now here's why I, I talked to them. Now I do not say they understood me. But somebody understood me. For I said little creatures of God. I interrupted you. You were sleeping. And I interrupted you. But I am the servant of your Creator. 
and his sick children are in my home to be paid for. And I was mowing the grass, and I'm sorry I disturbed you, little creatures of God. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ, your Creator, my Lord, hurry back into your house, and I will not bother you no more. And when I meet you at the judgment, those harnets swarming over me had never touched me as yet, and they lined up in a single line and went right straight back in their neck. Love, projected, sovereign grace takes its place. Seven years I was game warden in Indiana. One day when I was putting some fish in the water, I don't know why I'm saying these things, but crossing a field where a great bull had just killed a colored man, and he brought over the pastor, Mr. Guernsey, up at Thursburg, Indiana. I forgot the bull was in there, but there were signs all around, do not enter. But I had a little old gun that I was supposed to pack, and I threw it in the car, and I was going across the field over the hill to pray for a sick man that I knew. And I was walking through the field, not noticing, and all of a sudden, right out in a bunch of bushes, up jumped this big killer. And he looked at me. He let out a roar. He threw his head down and hooked his horns into the dirt and threw him back. Immediately I felt for my gun. It was in the car. There I stood alone. The fence was about 250 yards, the bull was about 30 yards. No trees, nor nothing. I said, well, here is the end. I said, I do not wish to die as a coward, but I will stand and die as a Christian should die. And as I wrecked myself and that big fellow turned around, I knew it must be death to be gored to death in a few moments. Oh, he was more than a match for my strength. And I'm thankful I didn't have the gun. Or something happened. Oh, excuse my emotion. But something happened. Love come down. Now this may seem strange. But it's true. I talked to that bull. I said, I disturbed you, but I am the servant of your Creator. I'm on my road to pray for my sick brother. I'm sorry I disturbed you. Now, you will not hurt me, for I love you. And how can you hurt me? when I love you. And here you come. I was no more afraid of that animal than I am of my brethren sitting here. He come and I just stood there. And I said, I love you because God created you. I disturbed you and I'm sorry. And as he come close to me, I stood still and he got within about ten feet. He threw out his feet and stopped 
And he looked so depleted. He looked this way and that way. I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus, you creature of God's creation, go over and lay back down. And God being my witness, the fool turned around and laid down and I walked in five feet of him. What was it? Death was at hand. Love was projected. The sovereign grace stopped the world. Who has not heard the passing story as a close? It went over the world. Last summer, Leo and Jean sitting here, my two boys that take the tape. Brother and Sister Woods sits right out there. Leo and Jean are two fine boys. They go with in the meeting, one of Catholic family and the other, and then on the little FBI of their own, they were going to investigate me. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> And they've been going with me ever since, <laughs> taking tape recordings. <laughs> and they're fine Christian boys. And when they did, they were sitting on the porch, and I called them my students. And I was teaching to them the love of God. Mr. Woods and Mrs. Woods, Miss Woods was a church of God. And Mr. Wood was a Jehovah Witness. And they had a crippled boy that had his legs drawn up. And they come to the Louisville meeting and they seen the Lord doing the work. Mr. Wood's a very well known contractor all over northern Kentucky. He said, I might have been a Jehovah Witness, but that's a God. So he goes to Houston, Texas, to the next meeting, and there's where the angel of the Lord come down and had his picture taken. Mr. Woods and Miss Woods was present to see it. I went overseas to Sweden. On my road back, I started my meeting up in uh, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. That night, they come to the meeting sitting way back and was sitting praying, and while I was on the platform, the Holy Spirit turned me around to their face. And said something, maybe not these words, but on this matter. The lady and the man and the little boy sitting back there. He's a contractor from Kentucky. And they have a little boy that's crippled by paralysis that's got his legs drawn up. But thus saith the Lord. He's healed. They didn't know what to say. In a few moments, it said, David, raised up. David was as normal as any other boy. Love projected. He quit contracting, sold out, bought a little place next door to me as my neighbor. <laughs> Mrs. Wood is sort of a veterinarian. She loves animals and outdoors, a very fine lady. And their people are Methodists, I think. That morning, I was teaching the boys on love. Now, closely, before closing, I looked 
coming down the road, and I've seen a little object rolling and tumbling as it come down the road. And I looked at about, I suppose, 10 o'clock in the day, boy. And what it was, it was a possum. You know what possums are up here? Now, anyone who knows wildlife knows that possums travel at nighttime. They're blind in the day. So here was this possum traveling in the daytime. And he come down where there was no fences, two or three houses coming from the woods, about 500 yards across the highway. Here he come up the lane, and my house is fenced with a rock gate. And when the possum got even with my house, he turned in. And I looked, and I said, there's a possum, and something has happened. It's perhaps got rabies. And look how it's acting, tumbling, rolling, fighting, trying to get in. And Mr. Woods had been raking in the yard and had a yard rake laying there. And I said to the boys, come out here just a moment. And I run, got the rake, and threw it over the possum. At that time, the milkman come up, Mr. Gilmore. We were looking at the possum, and I said, it must have rabies. Oh, I said, no, look. Oh, excuse this, but maggots was all over its leg. Fly blows. The dog that shoot it or either it has been run over by a car and maggots to pieces. Oh, I said, look how it's swollen up that great big leg, that bigness of it. I said, it's, a, it's dying. And while I was holding the rake over the possum, to my surprise, a possum and a kangaroo is the only animals that pack their babies in a pocket. And her pocket let out, and she had nine little, tiny, naked babies. And I said, come here, boy. I will teach you some more of the Bible. I said, perhaps this possum came in. The day before, there had been a very fine, beautiful, young colored lady of our city that had had an illegitimate born baby and had wrapped it up in a blanket and smothered it to death and taken it out in a taxi cab on the river and dropped it in the river. And we were talking about that. So I said, that lovely young lady wasn't nothing like the mother that this possum is. Not because she was a colored girl. No. White girls, brown girls, yellow, they all do the same without Christ. But I said the morals of this possum is better than the morals of that woman. For that woman didn't want her baby. And she took its life. The police had her in jail. But I said, this old mother possum hasn't got over 30 minutes to live. And she was abiding on the lake for all she could do. Usually when you touch them, they, what you call, play possum. So, but she was making her way somewhere. And I said, she is biting this lake, and she's so frantic. But she's a real mother. 
she'll give this wife 30 minutes of her life fighting for her baby. I said, that's mother love. She loves her baby. I raised up the lake on West of Coffin rolling, and it went right up to my door, and there she fell and exhausted. I said, she's dead. Now I went up there and I touched her with the lake, but I seen she wasn't dead. She could feel little grins on the side. Now look at that lake laying all spread out, and those little babies nursing on that poor dying mother. And then Mr. and Mrs. Woods come up. And Mrs. Woods, which is a dear, sweet Christian woman, but in her terms of knowing, uh, being kind of a bit here, she said, Brother Bannon, kill the possum and get it out of its misery. And said, the little one has a round mouth, they cannot take a bottle, and they're too young anyhow, they're just a few hours old, so you'll have to take the little one and kill them. Oh, I thought I can't do that. I said, I just can't. Oh, she said, Brother Branham, you are not going to let that poor thing lay there like that, and then little possums nurse that milk from that dead mother, they'll die a horrible death. Now, the woman was right. But something in me wouldn't let it happen. She said, well, you're a hunter. Go get your gun and shoot her. I said, I'm a hunter, but I'm not a killer. I said, but I can't do it. She said, let Banks, that's her beloved husband, my buddy, said, let him kill her. I said, I can't. Said, do you mean you're going to let that poor animal lay in that hot tub and those little ones parched with their little naked bodies against the direct rays of this sun today? And her lay there groaning, sniffing, dying? It looked like the humane thing to do, but I just couldn't do it. I talked to Leo and Jean. Later on, they left. All through the day she lay there, I went. The little possum still trying to nurse. That night, Mr. Woods came up and said, Now, Brother Branham, you've been busy all day. You just got to leave everything alone. Come on, we'll take you a little ride. We got the wife and we went out riding. Now, I found a little old dog laying on the side of the road, mangy, eating, sleeping. And I picked him up to the fleas and run it over my hands. And my wife said, Billy, you're not going to take that. I said, but honey, he's just a little fellow. Somebody dropped him off because he's mangy. I said, he has a right to live. And I took him home, washed him up, dosed him up. Prayed for him, he's a fine big collie dog. When I went back in about 11 o'clock, there lay the old possum sprawled out. Brother Wood said, well, now she's gone. And the little one's still nursing. I said, well, maybe she is. 
Well, why don't you kill her, Billy? I said, I just can't. So my boy come in around midnight from the river fishing, and there was the old possum still laying there. All night I thought of that possum. I just couldn't get it off my mind. And the next morning early, I got up, went outside. And when I went outside, there lay the old possum. Mr. Wood said to me that night, you know, Brother Bam, if that possum ever was going to move, it would move when the sun went down. But you trapped and hunted enough to know it. I said, that's right. And the next morning I went out and I've got a little girl that saw her first vision just recently. A little 11-year-old girl. She come out on the porch, little Rebecca, and she looked over at that and she started crying. She said, Daddy, she's a real mother, isn't she? I said, yes. I kicked her with my foot. She had dew all over and the blow fly still on her. said, Daddy, what are you going to do with that mother possum? I said, Honey, Daddy don't know. He said, You're going to kill her, Daddy? I said, Daddy can't do it, honey. I said, Sweetheart, you're up too early. Just a little pajamas on. I said, You're going to get in the bed with Mommy. So I hurried her off into the room. I went out into the dinner room and sat down. I thought, oh, God, how that poor old mother possum had suffered. How she must love those babies. And as I sat there, I thought, well, I hope I don't have to see her killed. And as I was sitting there, something said to me, you were preaching yesterday about her. You used her as your pet. I said, that's right. You said she was a real mother. I said, that's right. But I sent her to your door, and she's laid at your door like a lady for 24 hours, waiting for her turn to be prayed for. And you've never said a word. I said, well, I didn't. I said, who am I talking to? Am I talking to myself? I jumped up. I'm not always that to God. And I walked out on the porch with little Rebecca standing there looking at the mother possum yet. She comes back to the house. I went out to the possum. I said, God, I know that you know every flower. You know every spell. And then this great horrible thing has happened to womanhood of this beautiful young girl that killed her baby and you wanted to show that you can even leave the animal and she come up and lay at my gate waiting for her turn to be played for. I said, I am sorry, God, that I did that. I said, I didn't know it, God. I would have done it. But I said, if it be your divine providence that you have sought this and want me to pray for the possum. This I do in Christ's name. Help her, Father. Her love for her babies has been so great. I thought, oh, God, what would you do this? And when I said that, now it may seem strange. It's when, oh, I've got letters from Africa, from India, from over the world about it. 
the Associated Press, I think, caught it. And that old mother possum raised up, picked her little ones into her pocket, walked down that ring just as normal as any other possum could walk, with that tail hooked up, got down to the gate and turned around as if to say, thank you, kind sir. And across the road she went into the woods and as far as I know is happy with her babies tonight. If God could think that of a problem, how much more can he think of you when your love is produced and projected into the heart of the living God? If God, by instinct alone, that possum didn't have any soul. It was a dumb animal. And if that could be done that way by the instinct and the Holy Spirit could lead an old mother possum there, knowing that he'd have me to pray for that possum and her life would be spared, how much more are you than a possum? Why have you come here tonight to be prayed for? Well, for the whole thing God is my question. Let us follow me just a moment. I don't I don't know why. You're so lovely. And I know someday after tomorrow, perhaps we have to be separated from miles apart. While we are sitting about here down, I wonder if I ask if God holds love the world. Then he gave his own begotten son, and whoever believes in him, should not perish, but will have eternal life. I wonder, have you appreciated that? In such a measure that you have expected this gift to you of eternal life. Now, be honest. Every head bow, every eye stone. Have you been strangely thinking of something? Oh, I've just been a church member. I've never received his love to me to make my life what it should be. I would like to have it. I want God to come to me tonight and fill me with his spirit and forgive me of my sins. Would you just raise your hand to God while your head's down? Oh, Lord, God bless you, God bless you, lady, God bless you, 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 sir, you, you, oh, my, God bless you, you, lady, you, 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 brother, you, you, brother, you, sister, you, brother, you, father, all, all in the building, God bless you, my brother, God bless you, my sister, there. <laughs> up in the valley, now I'm up there to say, Brother Brandon, I'm holding on to God. Something has spoken my heart since I've been sitting here. Really, I'm not what I should be. God bless you, brother. I now raise my hands. God bless you, lady. God 
good Lord. And just now I can raise my hand at the sign that I am now believe and accept the love of God. If you belong to church, you're Christian, but that's all right. But I want to be a Christian plus a church member. All right. Is there another just before we pray? God bless this little boy sitting here. God bless the lady up there. Oh, sure. Just another little thing. God bless you, son of all that's sitting there. A little boy about two years old. The Bible says, stop a little children to come to me for good and not. God bless you, my brother. Certainly. I have been strangely moved in my heart, brother friend. Something comes to me and says, Make it right just now. I'm the love of God that's knocking into your heart. I, I want to turn in tonight. I so love you that I gave you the best I have. Now, when you give me yours to die, what does he want to do with the destroyed snow raising up again when the cold winter is over? You'll come back to the star. You'll come back as a new man, young man, young woman. And be forever that way. No more old age or wrinkles, gray hair, broken down bodies, sickness will bother you as the resurrection. You will be in marvels made in this life. You have a choice tonight. All right. Are we bowing here? It is the scriptures on the piano. Hold God. This is the hour. This is the time that every man's hands is laid out. They're sincere, Lord. And all your servants, I'm interceding for them. I'm asking mercy. God grant and may they all be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And may the love of God that is shed abroad by the Holy Spirit fill each heart. And may they walk out of this building with all the grudges and their differences all done away with. We know that sin is black as dark. But the utmost part of the sin can only be a drop as it would fall from an each dropper into a great deep pile of bleach. Try to find it again, or it will not be found. When each is dropped into bleach, each becomes bleach. And when the unrighteousness of the penitent sinner is dropped into the blood of the righteous, they become the righteousness of God. Jesus, we take your word for it. Thy word is forever true. When you say, He that heareth my word believeth on him that he has everlasting life. 
and shall never come to the judgment but pass from death unto life. And I pray only a servant could do for each hand that went up. Down when your heart will give to them the very satisfaction of every need that they have. Maybe never will I take their hands even on this earth, but when all of life is over, then some day when we get at the close of the day, and the great wedding supper is set, and we see the three kings of all ages around the table, and as we look across the table to each other, a little ear will speak down our feet. When we see our friend has crossed over safely, then the king will come out and wipe all tears from our eyes. Then do not cry, it's all over. Enter into the joys of the Lord has been prepared for you since the foundation of the world. God grant every person in divine presence tonight will be in divine presence then. If we have found grace in our sight, we offer thee this prayer. In there we have in the name of thy beloved child, the Lord Jesus. Amen. I don't mean to be a baby, the weak, but there's just something about the Holy Spirit that is making not weak for sorrow but for joy. Just something brings forth. Think how the angels must be rejoicing just now. How do you feel real, real good in your soul? Would you just raise your hands to God? Oh, my. I wonder if we could sing just once more as we did last night. I will praise him. Would you give us a call, sister, if you will? All together now. Somebody help me here. I'm not a singer. And somebody help me to be singing a doctor's agent, or would you? While we sing, I will praise him. Praise the land for sinners slain. Give me glory all ye people. For his blood then wash away each thing. Let's raise your hands while we sing it. Everybody now.
just ask you why we did, give you God's praise, and you give us your testimony. Will you do that? Thank you, God's praise, and God's praise. I request your gift to be heard of the Lord. That is the heart of the Lord. Good to hear you, Lord. This is all for me. A shadow of God and God. And it always makes me so upset. But, you know, everybody keeps saying, Oh, get next to yourself. How? How do you want to come to the But you say, perhaps you're not feeling it now. But it is just all you. But you know that Jesus can make you well. Don't you, sister? God bless you. Now let us bow. Let's get the moment for this little nerd sister. And Father, this is some mother's darling baby. So I have some man, why they some child's mother. And she stands here with a blue painting for making her nervous all the people have ever to this good side. We would stand in the beginning of the time. All of us sitting up at a stand and going to walk. Yes, we come forward to the center of love and read our best to be in the
in Jesus' dear name, I ask.